Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Chad, football's a, a brutal sport. It's a physical sport. It's painful. It hurts. That's why we like it. That's why we watch it, for the collisions, for the danger. But the game is um, changing. It is the new NFL. And a play happened in a game that got the, the Twitterverse up in arms. Um, it, was a, it was a game between the, uh, the Bengals and the Giants. And Giants rookie defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau was playing uh, defensive end on one side. And it was a run play up the middle. And as often happens... A tight end from the other side scraped along the line of scrimmage and went for a block, and he cut him. He did what's called a cut block, where he goes low. Now, that is a tried-and-true technique that's been used for many, 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 many years in the NFL, but Kayvon Thibodeau didn't uh, deal with it very well. No. Kind of just got folded up, gave him his knee, and injured his knee. And that prompted the, the Twitterverse to call for a ban of that style of play and say that it was dirty and cheap. Our very own Darren McKee uh, retweeted uh, a video of the play and said, quote, this is awful. What a chump move. And this is why it's worth getting railed by the Bills in a meaningless preseason game so a dope doesn't cheap shot your best players. Chad, you saw the play. Yep. Do you agree with DMAC? Absolutely not. Um, And for Bronco fans, uh, the pushback against that style uh, block would be particularly rich. Um, so you would give back the back-to-back Super Bowls that were powered by Terrell Davis and Alex Gibbs' net cut blocking scheme? Nope, I don't think they would. No way they would. That Bronco offense line was as vicious as a cut blocking team as maybe there ever was in NFL history. Um, if you were playing that Broncos team, you had to be concerned about Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey and Shannon Sharp and John Elway. But also you had some concerns about your health and your knees and your ankles because all the cut blocking that was going on. Um, so that is, is that okay, though? I mean, does, it, does that mean it's okay because it used to be that way? Or do we need to change it? Cut blocking within the tackle box is still allowed, has been a part of the NFL for decades. Um, are you allowed to cut a guy from behind anymore? You're not. That used to be part of it. Um, they outlawed that. So in this case, particularly for Kavion Thibodeau, you saw that tight end coming. Uh, cut blocking is a part of college football. That's also allowed. I have no idea what the Giants' practice schedule was. If he hasn't seen most teams, hardly any teams. Uh, I can't say hardly. I don't think any team actually they cuts block in practice, right? practice. But as a linebacker coach or a guy who's coaching defensive ends or defensive linemen, at some point you got to do the drill where you swing the bags at guys' feet and they got to put their hands down or put their shoulder down or hop their feet out of the way. You are supposed to train for that. And as a football player, you got to understand what the rules are. Cut blocking is allowed within a tackle box. Therefore, I have a responsibility on the field for my own personal safety. These are the rules out there. Um, you may not like them. NFL fans, you know, DMAC and others may frown upon that. But that is how the game is played. And to be perfectly honest, how else would a smaller player deal with a bigger player inside the tackle box if it's just going to be – you know, blocking from the hips above, then it's going to be a bunch of 400-pound dudes out there because 
it's going to be a, a size and mass game, not a skill set game. Part of what made um, Tom Nalen as good as he was is he was just big enough to deal with the big guys, and he was quick enough to deal with the small guys, but he could also cut block those big guys and make them unsure which way he was going to block them. That was part of his greatness was his ability to cut block effectively. Um, and lots of uh, you know linemen, fullbacks, tight ends have excelled at that skill and used that to keep defenders literally on their heels and uncertain. If I go charge this guy, he's going to cut block me. Uh, so I just can't use my power and mass against him. There's got to be some nuance to my game, and i got to be prepared for whatever he may bring. Did I love being cut blocked? Nope, I sure didn't. But was I aware that anytime I was within the tackle box, that was up for possibility? Yeah. And you got to, you know, tread lightly through some of those pileups because there's always a dude who's willing to shoot himself literally at your feet and try to take your feet from underneath you. Yeah, I've had to be that guy who who was scraping down the line of scrimmage, having to block a dude that was 50, 60 pounds heavier than me, um, coming downhill, paid to come downhill like that. The only chance I had was to cut him or I didn't and I didn't always cut because I didn't like cutting. Right. Cutting block cut blocking is not fun. It hurts. It hurts. It's it's um a lot of times you look stupid because you miss it. Mm-hmm. They just jump over you and you end right. up rolling on the ground like a like a flopping fish. That was one of my favorite things, making you guys miss when you try to cut block me. Right? But like you mentioned, once they're the, once the threat of a cut block exists, then you have to account for that. Right? And if you're just the bigger man, then all you just do is run over the smaller man. You don't have to worry about that, right? So it allows the offensive players um, a little more wiggle room when it comes to making that block because you do it once and then the threat of it's there and then next time you don't do it because he's expecting it. It's a bit of a cat and mouse game there. Um, but to what extent do you think that this new NFL, the way we're trying to protect players' health, right, is making guys unprepared for dangerous moments on the football field? I think that's a big factor. That's one of my things is – not necessarily about preparing yourself to uh, play as far as the scheme and execution, but preparing yourself to play from a pure safety standpoint. I've got to be, I've got to see these situations enough to where I can thrive when something like that happens to me. And sometimes I push back on the uh, conversation where we start to bring in the military and, and war into football. Because those actually are people who are fighting war. And it's literally life or death. Not the life and death that I talk about of winning and losing, but literally life or death. But do you think you, if you could, you could go out and participate in some kind of military exercise without having gone through it full speed, do you think they'd do a walkthrough and go, all right, that's good. We got it. Everybody got it? Ready, break? No, they practice and rehearse that thing full speed to be able to execute in the moment for whatever come what may. Um, within the, you know, I guess in war, there's actually probably very few rules. But I think that same kind of thinking where you need to be able to do something full speed where the threat of injury and violence and harm are in the way, your body has to go through that full speed in in order to learn how to protect itself. And if you're only doing walkthroughs or you're only doing it up to a certain level, we'll go full speed up to here and then we won't do it. Um, I'm not sure if you've developed that full awareness and skill set how to do that. Um, there is a skill set to being safe in football. There's a skill set to being a guy who can, you know, play a decade plus or 15 years plus and try to be safe most of the time. It's an inherently dangerous game. Things are going to happen. But the guys who develop that skill set 
tend to be the guys who last the longest, who practice the hardest and take advantage of those opportunities to hone their mind and their bodies to be prepared for that action. There's a reason why fighters, boxers, spar yeah. for their fights. Yeah, they put on the headgear, but they actually throw punches at each other and try to connect with them because you got to get ready for that. Uh, texter asking, Chad, tell everyone what a tackle box is. Is that where you keep your fishing like lures and, and baits and stuff? <laughs> oh, no, it's not, but that also is called a tackle box. Right. Um, I had one of those when I was on the Amazon fishing for peacock bass. Um, but <laughs> Another, Just a little side note another there. Another story for another time. How many peacock bass did you catch? Ooh, man, we caught... Uh, and why are they why are they called peacock bass? Do they, they have the big peacock feathers? No, they're uh, no, they're green, and they've got black and yellow and red on their side, so they've kind of got some peacocky colors that flash in the water as you're trying to catch them. They're supposedly, and I haven't searched the world for this, the fiercest fighting freshwater fish on the planet. Wow. All right, so the tackle box, to get back to that, within football conversations, not fishing conversations, is the that space basically between the tight ends and uh, all the way inside. Um, so within that space on the field, you are allowed to cut. Once you're outside of that, remember when sometimes offensive linemen would pull and defensive backs would cut those guys? Mm-hmm. That's now a penalty in the league. Right. They don't want outside the tackle box cutting to be allowed. I think that's a bit unfair that the league did that. 300-pound guard versus 190-pound cornerback, what's that cornerback supposed to do? Take him on full speed up top? It's just a mismatch. But that being you know, whatever it is, the tackle box is that space from the tight ends into the center. You are allowed to cut block in that tackle box area. So that's tight end to tight end. I think uh, two yards back into the backfield and three yards past the line of scrimmage. That five-yard zone from tight end to tight end is the tackle box. Yeah, if uh, you know, I've heard I've heard Coach Hackett talking about health being the number one priority here, and I know that's that's something that echo is echoed by a lot of folks preaching, you know, safer football. But to me, if your number one priority is health, don't play football. <laughs> it's incredibly physical, it's incredibly violent, and you can dial up practices that aren't physical or aren't violent, but the rules of the game have not changed. So you go out there on the field. And if you haven't done those things or prepared yourself to do those things, you're going to face a team that has, and you're going to get yourself hurt. Do you think that? Now, it's funny because both, well, there's different schools of thought, and they both claim to be following the science. Coach Hackett is saying, look, we're following the science here, and it's telling us we, we, we're not going to push you guys every, every third day we rest. Um, you know, we're not going to beat you up. We're not going to do two days. But then you watch – Hard knocks and Dan Campbell saying, "Look, guys, we're following the science, and the science is telling us we got to hit right now. Yeah, we got to hit so so that you don't get hurt during the season. Now, who's right? Who's wrong? There's different scientists in different areas doing different research, but uh, I guess we're fixing to find out. We're also fixing to find out what our boy Mike Kliss has to say about this game. We're going to talk to him next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan." We welcome our Nine News Broncos insider, Mike Kliss, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Mike, how you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good. Start a new week after that uh, abysmal showing by the backups in Buffalo, but uh, we'll see what that means in the long run. 
Yeah, so what do you think it does mean? Uh, of course, the wins and the losses don't matter. It's not going to count, but you do like to see your guys putting up a fight. The Broncos didn't do that. So what was your main takeaway, I guess, from that game? Yeah, I, I think uh, if you're evaluating players, uh, you got to – if you're George Payton, you got to fortify that defensive line. And I'm not sure about inside linebacker. I know they brought in Joe uh, Schobert. Uh, but I think on the waiver wire, you got to look at defensive line. You got to look at inside linebacker. And you got to look at uh, cornerback, the number four cornerback, because Ojemudi is going to be out a while now. And, um, you know, Mathis is a rookie. And, you know, there were a couple times where it looked like uh, he was a rookie in that game. So I think, uh, I think for player evaluation, those were the, uh, those were three spots that I think George Payton is going to be looking to upgrade for depth, for depth on the 53 man roster. And then overall, you know, I just think the coaches have to examine, you know, how they, uh, how they had the team prepared. I mean, uh, Six drives and six touchdowns. Uh, you know, if I was coaching, uh, I, you know, they they wouldn't have done worse. You know, maybe <laughs> I'd have yelled at the right time, and uh, they would have only scored five touchdowns and six drives. So, <laughs> uh, that so was, does Hackett that need to be yelling uh, at him more? Is that what you're saying? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, they got to look at. Uh, they got to look at uh, how that team uh, was prepared mentally. I think. Hmm. What was really disturbing, the most disturbing thing to me was the goal line plays. Uh, they had uh, five uh, downs, uh, you know, inside the five-yard line where the running back went in basically untouched. One of them was called back by penalty. And uh, two plays later, Case Keenum easily uh, threw to O.J. Howard for the touchdown. They got the, the touchdown anyway. So, um, you know, it's 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 concerning uh, but it's not it's it's not worth panicking about. You don't panic about it because it it, it was backups, it was preseason. Um, but it's a little concerning about the back end of the roster. What do you think about uh, Coach Hackett's messaging when you go out and say a couple times last week that you don't like the preseason and the risk reward ratio is is off for you? That sends a message, I think, to the locker room. And there are guys in that locker room who are fighting for their football lives. they got to be down to 53, what, August 30th. Uh, so there's a mm-hmm. round of cuts that will happen either today or tomorrow by 2 p.m. And that last round of cuts by August 30th. Um, how do you get these guys ready to go and ready to play at a high level, particularly crossing the country all the way to Buffalo with the early start? When you yourself, you've admitted, you know, you hate the whole preseason thing. Uh, how do you expect to get a good showing out of your guys when that's the message coming from the top? Yeah, that's uh, that. That maybe uh, played a factor because I think it wasn't. Uh, you know, we saw these guys. They tackled well against Dallas. They played well against Dallas. They played well on both sides of uh, on both fields in the joint scrimmages. First team, first team. Second team, second team. You know, it, it, they look good. The Broncos look really good, and and all of that. Um, it could have been. It just you know, mentally something, something was off. Um, when you're, you know, again, the, 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 the goal line isn't just a physical thing when they're, when they're walking in, the running backs are walking in. 
why are they just walking in? Why isn't, uh, you know, finally on the last one, I think uh, somebody got in a little tussle there, you know, with, with one of the bills, you know, get a little angry. It just, it just seemed there was, it, there was a little bit of defeated unintentional, but it, you know, you get demoralized and it, the human condition gets defeated um, mentally uh, as that game went on, and, and especially at the at the goal line, I think that has something to do with heart and will, and uh, you know, it it, it just uh, it didn't seem to be there. Mike, there's some position battles going on on this team, particularly on the offense, and particularly with the wide receiver room, and I guess the tight end room. It's it's kind of hard to figure out what they think there, or how many guys they're going to keep. How many tight ends do you think they're going to keep, and how many wide receivers do you think they're going to keep? And if you were a betting man, who would fill out those rooms? Well, they're going to keep six receivers, and um, you know the receivers right now would have to be uh, Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, who I think comes back to practice today, uh, Tyree Cleveland because of special teams, he's the fourth. Montrell Washington is the fifth and the sixth uh, looks like the leader is, uh, is Brandon Johnson with Kendall Hinton and uh, Jalen Virgil right there. I think that's going to be a tough call between those three right there for the sixth. Um, Montreal Washington is on the team as a returner. He's also a pretty good receiver or better than they, you know, better than they uh, had hoped, I think uh, through two preseason games, but tight end, it depends whether you keep three or four. Um, if you keep three, it's going to be Dulcich. I would think Albert O and uh, Eric Tomlinson with uh, Andrew Beck kind of swinging between a fourth tight end and the only fullback. Uh, Eric Sobert, if you keep four, uh, Eric Sobert would be uh, in the equation there. So, so Eric Sobert's um, the bubble guy, you think, right now? I think he's the bubble guy, yes, unless oh. there's uh, – you know, I know there's uh, some people reading into Albert O playing into the fourth quarter in the second preseason game. Maybe there is something to that. Uh, for right now, it, it, uh, you know, I think uh, Albert O is on the team with Dulcich. You know, Dulcich, uh, uh, we, we haven't got a good read on the tight end because Dulcich hasn't been there and, and, and to, to squeeze someone out. You know, if Dulcich is there, you got a better read on the back end of the uh, tight end room. And uh, right now, everyone's kind of bumped up one because Dulcich hasn't been there. He, by the way, is supposed to be practicing this week. So um, we'll get a better idea, I think, uh, through this week to see if he and Hamler can hold up through this week of practice. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Mike. Talk to you later, man. All right. Well, look, was it all bad? Was there anything good? I think we could find some positives to take away from the 42-15 loss to the Bills, and we'll talk about that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, Chad, it is kind of easy when you're listening to the G-Dub sound. Pioneer speakers bumping as you <laughs> do some stuff I can't talk about. The good, the bad, the ugly from Buffalo Bills game on Saturday. We talked about the bad. We've talked about the ugly. 
We talked a little bit about the good, but we're going to circle back to the good. Preseason is a time, yeah, it's a time to get ready for the regular season and get your starters, if that's your philosophy, a few reps to get them comfortable. Mm -hmm. If it's not, okay, you don't want to play them, but it is a time to find out who else you got on your roster. Who are those hungry young players who are going to make plays when you put them out there? And, uh, well, any of those guys jump out at you in the game. Uh, I thought Montreal Washington did a great job in securing the return job. Um, his vision, his flash, his explosiveness, um, you know, I think was clear for anybody to see. Um, and, you know, it, typically on those punt return teams and kickoff return teams, there is occasional starter or two who participates in that. So those guys who would be blocking will be a little bit better in the regular season. There may be a starter or two out there. Um, so with that little bit more of a blocking edge um, with his vision and as experience uh, goes on as he gains reps at this, I expect him to be a factor for the Broncos special team. So that's good. I think you've solidified that. You've gained some comfort in that. You found your guy. You can feel pretty comfortable with him in that spot. Uh, ball security doesn't seem to be an issue. And, again, the ability to have some vision and make something out of nothing sometimes, because uh, not all those returns where he had success were all cleanly blocked, but he hits it hard, and he's got you know his ability to use the mental math, that I, as I call it, the, the, the geometry. I'm running this fast. You're running that fast. What angle do I need to take to outrun you? Oh, there's another guy behind you. Now I've got to recalculate my angle to beat you and then somehow beat that guy too. He has that ability to to do that. Um, that's a vision. I, I talked about uh, Trey Quinn when we, we uh, had this topic earlier. I thought he emerged in the fourth quarter. Is it going to be enough? Uh, Mike List saying he thinks there's only going to be six receivers kept on this team. So that's a tight, tight room. Yep. Um, Jalen Virgil as well has had a good showing. They love Jalen Virgil and his speed. They had some questions about his hands, mm. um, and he made that contested catch last week against the Cowboys. So uh, Coach Hackett jokingly said in the production meeting, apparently we just need to call up routes where he can get covered, then he'll catch it. Right. Because maybe he's had some drops where he's uncovered in practice. Um, but he had he, two catches on two targets in the game against the Bills, two for 39. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, hands were there. Some guys were just gamers. And for whatever reason, the practice speed or the practice reps or – the lack of seriousness about practice, whatever the case may be, doesn't pull out the best in them, then you put them in the game and they show what they can do. Uh, Jalen Virgil looks like he's going to be that kind of guy. Uh, so what he does out there in week three will be pretty important. But at the very least, um, on a personal level for Jalen Virgil, I think he's shown well enough where if he doesn't make this crowded receiver room for the Broncos, he will have an NFL job. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the uh... – the injury to Sam Martin. Oh, yeah. They were playing catch. Oh, did, did you hear about that? We Well, Rod Mackey, uh, our great sideline reporter for the broadcast, he mentioned it during the broadcast. And I was just thinking, what could the punter have done in pregame's warm-up where he injured his ankle? Well, in the other broadcast, which is the one I had to watch on the NFL Network, they, they described it. Sam Martin and Brandon Man McManus were playing catch in the end zone and doing like little toe tap toe tap drills in the back of the end zone <laughs> and Sam Martin rolled his ankle. <laughs> so that's an opportunity for Corliss Waitman to go out there and get some punts. And he had two punts and he averaged 52 yards. And he had a 63 yard punt. 
So I, I don't know if there's a legit punting competition going on there, but Sam Martin is not a wide receiver, and he shouldn't he shouldn't do that in warm ups. Just like I shouldn't go out there and kick in warm ups if I'm a if I'm a wide receiver because no. that could end up poorly. Coach Stukes talked about this punting competition. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's a battle. Uh, I don't want to frame it that way if that's not the case. But this punting competition, and it's really going to come down to placement. He's not looking for pure yardage from the punters. He's looking for accurate placement. Um, for those who don't know, you know, when you break the huddle as a punt team, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to punt to the left. We're going to mm. punt to the right. Yep. We're going to punt it out of bounds. Yep. We're going to try to pin this punt back and land it inside the 10, preferably just inside the five-yard line. So the punters in the NFL is less about just trying to kick that thing as hard as you can, but punting it to a specific spot on the field and be able to do that super consistently – that can really raise your net punting average because your punt average, he kicks at 60 yards, but it doesn't get high enough and he outkicks his coverage and gives that returner a chance to get a full head of steam. Well, then you just kind of defeat the whole purpose of this thing. So by punting with placement and punting with some time underneath it, that allows the coverage team to get off their – well, make their blocks, get off their blocks, and run specifically to that side of the field to give them a chance to have no return possible. Yeah, that's what they're hoping for. And for some context of why that's important, I've been on punt teams where it's it's left. We're going directionally left, right? So you block your guy and you release and you run down the field to the left because yes. you expect that's where the punt's going to be. But he kicks it to the right. And then all of a sudden, everyone's out of position. And we've all got a feather back and there's a, some wide open lanes there. So it's not as easy to directionally kick as you would think. but And it's also more common – then you think to hear it in the huddle, we're going right, and it ends up going left or vice versa. So that's pretty. That accuracy is very important. Yeah. So I think that battle is going to position competition is going to come down to whoever has the best placement. Placement. But yeah, to your point, I have seen. Uh, I've had coaches tell me, you know, as I'm running my tight end route tree in, <laughs> in preseason pregame don't warm-up, hurt yourself. don't hurt yourself, dude. We need you to play linebacker. You are not a tight end out there today. I know, coach. This is what I do before every game. I. I I can't imagine the <laughs> It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Absolutely it's embarrassing. Um one of my my Pop Warner quarterback, we were playing for the state championship. He slipped going down the stadium stairs, hurt his ankle and couldn't play. Oh man. We lost the Pop Warner state championship because <sighs> my quarterback was out. That's that one still hurts. Yeah, my second string quarterback um he he was he knew the plays. He he could execute all the plays, but passing was not his strong set. Uh, Did you give him to, enough enough reps in preseason, though? I, I to, to get him ready. In the are end, you going to reevaluate it after the fact? As as we were all crying in the locker room about our loss and not going to Disney World, I had to put it on me as a coach. This is my fault. This is all on me. I did not give you a chance to be successful as a backup quarterback. He threw five interceptions in the oh, game. Oh, so you were a coach of that team? I was the head coach. I thought you team. meant your Pop Warner team. No, 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 no. Playing. I, my Pop Warner team where I was the head coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was wow. a sad day. Wow. Yeah, we all cried in that locker room. Um, it was very crushing after going undefeated throughout the regular season. To, That's tough. Yeah. You know, uh, it is what it is. But, yeah, uh, how would you expect your quarterback to get hurt walking down the stairs to the locker room? Accidents happen. Yes, as uh, we found out with Sam Martin this weekend for the Broncos. So, uh, Waveman did look good. Um, this receiver battle, um, I think, is maybe one of the positives to take out of Saturday. Trey Quinn, again, I think showed himself good enough where he can get a job in this league, if it's not for the Broncos. 
Jalen Virgil shows his speed and now showing the coaches his hands. Um, and then Brett Rippon, 22 of 26. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to keep two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks. Uh, it'll also come down to some roster spots this year. But um, the desire from Coach Hackett for the backup quarterback spot was all about consistency. Who can be the most consistent? Um, and I think Josh Johnson showed some inconsistency in his action, um, some accuracy, some footwork issues. And then Brett Rippon came in and showed his. So I think we'll figure out who is going to be the presumed backup guy by who gets the start in game three. Hmm. Well, you talked about if you were going to be the coach, or if you were the coach, if you were Nathaniel Hackett, you would be game planning for the Vikings. You would you would kind of try to simulate what it's going to be like week one. And every well, every NFL team I've ever been on, the third out of the four preseason games, they do just that, right? Because it's two weeks before the season starts. You want to get a taste for what the install is like, what that practice week is actually going to be like. So you do. You throw in a small game plan, and you try to get the players to go through the routine of preparing for a real game. Uh, do you think Nathaniel Hackett's going to do that? I hope so, even if it's not – necessarily some super detailed game plan to beat the Vikings, you as a coaching staff, it's also your preseason. And when the game plan comes in, the uh, D-line coach gets up and gives the opponent's run game breakdown presentation. He presents to the whole defensive side of the ball what the opponent's run game is like. He shouldn't do that for the first time before Seattle. He should do that here in the preseason. These are their favorite runs. This is what we expect to see. This is how we're going to defend it. And then the DB coach or linebacker coach gets up and talks about all their pass routes. And, you know, the other coach gets up and talks about what we expect to see on third down. you got to get that presentation part of it going from a coaching staff. So even if it's not a super detailed game plan, to go through the exercise of doing what you're going to do in the regular season, this is your last opportunity to do that. I do know what it's like sitting in those rooms the night before that last preseason game yeah. when your your job's on the line and they tell the starters go home and it's just the guys who are trying to make the team in there and they say, you know, you got one more chance here and this might not be the end of the line, but it might be the end of the line. But look at this last game as an opportunity to just cut loose, go out there, have some fun, and there are 31 other teams who are going to be watching this tape. So if it doesn't work out here, it could work out somewhere else. Chad, we got a pretty interesting text that just came through. I'm going to read it to you, and I don't want you to react now. I want you to wait. It says, how come when a team is going to do a Hail Mary, they don't put the long snapper in and have the quarterback drop back even farther so they can run forward to throw the ball? Chad's going to answer that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. No need to rush back, partner. I wasn't rushing, baby. I was chilling. All right, just for those, you know, a little, you know, thrown off. Yeah. Nate is now driving the show for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're polishing up our skill sets as well. I'm it's, back in the reactor role. It's like a long road trip where you kind of switch off. Right. You know, and then one person sleeps for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say is what just happened used to be my all-time greatest radio fear. Mm is I would be sitting in this co-host chair, (laughs) and then the host would have to leave to go talk to Raj or go to the bathroom or something, and then they wouldn't be back in time 
before the show started. Panic. And what was I going to do? Because I hadn't driven the show. Hey, everybody, it's Chad, and you're listening to 104.3 The Fan. Right. Now, obviously, the last year was being the driver. I was, you know, I'd be comfortable in that situation. Um, but, yeah, I saw you rush back. I was like, oh, he's got this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking to Johnny Fever over there. We were uh, shooting the shooting the you-know-what mm-hmm. about the you-know-what. There you go. And before the break, I posed this question to you, a, a deft question by a texter, 202431. How come when a team is going to do a Hail Mary, they don't put the long snapper in and have the quarterback drop back even further so they can run forward to throw the ball? Why w- uh, Sounds smart. Would you do that, Chad? Would, uh, you think, would you think about trying it at least? Okay, so a pistol, uh, shot, a pistol snap is about uh, four to five yards. A typical shotgun snap is about seven yards. If you're going to punt the ball, it's about uh, somewhere between 12 to 14, depending on the punter and situation on the field. Um, So if you were to be at 14 yards, obviously the long snapper could do that. Long snapper has to block as part of punt protection. So he's not completely out of his element being asked to snap and block. Um, There's there's actually surprisingly some merit to this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> depending how strong-armed your quarterback is and where he is on the field, um, with the extra seven yards between a regular shotgun snap at seven yards and a long snap, punt snap, where the punter's at 14, now this quarterback in this scenario would be at 14 yards, would that make a difference? Would that allow the quarterback to ramp up and throw? Um, I think the typical of the issue, the biggest issue with the Hail Mary is the amount of time it takes the receivers to get down the field. Right. Um, so it's not that a quarterback needs a running start to throw it that far. He needs to be able to buy time first to get down the field. Um, I so was, what about just putting in your punt team, punt protection team? Those dudes will get demolished. By the D-line? By the D-line, yeah. by, by the trained assassin on the D-line. There's enough merit to this idea where I don't go no. I won't put this in the DMAC category of – Completely ridiculous is you don't know football ideas. <laughs> right. This is actually an interesting one. I'll give you some credit there, Texter. All right. Well, there's another Ladies kind of. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it. <laughs> You got me. Yeah. There's kind of a, another question we've been kind of uh, mulling over the last couple. Actually, not just the last couple hours, last couple weeks. And that's if you practice more physically, does it make you more or less injury prone when the games come around? And there's two there's two schools of science clearly that coaches are drawing from to come up with their ideas on this. Coach Hackett is saying, look, we're following the science. And the science says it's a new NFL. The science says you don't work hard three days in a row. The science says you take care of the players. The science says you don't put on the pads and go hit each other. There's really no point to doing that. You, Chad, have talked extensively about the the live tackling drills that you guys did in the NFL. And I was part of live goal line drills. Mike Kliss talked about how woeful the Broncos were down on the goal line in that game. Just got pushed back. To me, you got to practice on the goal line, you know, some live goal line stuff to be ready for those moments, right? And then there's Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions coach, who's following his science. And his science says, we got to do this now so we're more prepared for it later. Where do you fall on this argument? Uh, I fall on if you want to be successful at something, you've got to rep it. Uh, and you've got to rep it full speed. Uh, when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know it's ancient history because I'm 52 years old. 
Every Wednesday during training camp, we took a high school yellow bus to Latrobe High School and did short yardage and goal line in front of fans. It was some of the most physical practices I was ever involved in as a football player. Jerome Bettis was playing tailback. Uh, Damani Dawson, Hall of Fame center, was in the center. We were going ones-on-ones. Steelers defense versus Steelers offense, one-on-ones, goal line and short yardage. That was the focus of that practice. Guess what? We were both pretty good at short yardage and goal line offensively and defensively because we honed ourselves in those periods. Um, And it was full speed tackling to the ground. In some ways, those are oddly sometimes actually the most safest ways to tackle because there's just not that much space to create uh, these super violent collisions. They were, you know, they were physical periods. Uh, They were definitely, you know, very uh, high energy. But Jerome Bettis is what, you know, five yards in the backfield. As a goal line defender, you know, I'm I'm two or three yards off the ball because I can't get my normal five, five yards off the ball. So in some ways they were physical yet safe in an odd way. I think that skill that we learned in those practices paid dividends during the season and also allowed us to play more safely and freely during the season because we had already practiced it. How do you run into a fullback full speed in a, in, in a way that you don't hurt yourself? Oddly, you kind of got to do it a couple times first in practice to be able to do that in the game. So I'm pretty comfortable in my stance that you have to do these things in order to be good at them. The Pittsburgh Steelers, every time they've worn pads this year's training camp, here in 2022, Mike Tomlin has a full-speed tackling period in that practice. That's what they do out there. Um, I got Kotakis. And have they have they been struck by a litany of injuries? I don't believe so. I don't believe anyone's, my understanding, been hurt in those tackling periods during training camp. Um, you know, it's Coach Hackett says he's got science on his side, and I'm not going to push back on his science and his, his experience in Green Bay. He's got his experience, and I've got mine. I just see it differently. Um, and does last week's uh, or this weekend's results make me, you know, say, Coach, damn it, I'm right and you're wrong? No, it's just one game. Maybe they weren't prepared because it was an early start. Maybe they weren't prepared because they had three tough days of practice during the week. There's a lot of reasons why teams don't show up. Um, Again, I think we won't know about this Coach Hackett experiment until the regular season. Um, And why we won't know for the first three games of the regular season to be able to properly evaluate where this team is from a physical standpoint, from a technique standpoint, and from a tackling standpoint. Um, So those are the things that are being missed. I think there's plenty of execution happening, plenty of perspiration happening. But the physical part of the game, which didn't look so good this Saturday, we'll see if that actually is a trend and can we directly correlate that to the practice uh, schedule and tempo that the Broncos have done this training camp. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, you, you, do, a, you do a thing good, you start feeling real good about yourself, and then you do something bad. And then you got to be told how bad it was and how you got to get better, and then you correct it, and then you do something good. And so hopefully these Broncos can watch this tape, understand what they did wrong, Maybe get a little bit of a chewing by the head coach. Maybe maybe Nathaniel Hackett can come in and put on some bad plays and make some examples of guys and make them understand that this is not the standard. This isn't great. A lot of stuff's been great. A lot of stuff's been really great. This isn't great. Not great at all. You know what is great? <laughs> really great. Stokely and Zach, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. 